0: Tell it to the judge on Sunday, tell it to him, leave me alone. Tell it to the judge on Sunday, you can call him at home. Hello and welcome to Torts Illustrated episode 6. I'm your host Marie, flying solo again after the Christmas break. Wait, disclaimer time. I am a lawyer. I am not your lawyer. This show is for fun, and we here on Torts Illustrated do not dispense legal advice. If you want legal advice, hire a lawyer. If you've done something bad enough, the government might even give you one. Okay, now, welcome to Torts Illustrated, where we discuss all things weird and wacky in the law from Old England to today. And today is 2018, so Happy New Year, dear listeners. 2017 was a rough one for the world and our country in particular, so I think we're all hoping that 2018 is a banner year to make up for it. Here on day one, I'm rather hopeful, and one of my resolutions for the year is to listen to more new music, which should be easy to do if the weather stays as freeze your face off cold as it is right now in Chicago. I find that I always default back to the music of my childhood when I'm looking for something to listen to. Maybe my mom's soft rock and disco songs, or the pop punk of my mini rebellious side in high school, and of course, all the terrible pop music of my middle school dance years. Including of course that complex piece of musical genius, Aqua's Barbie Girl. That's the stuff. Deep, thoughtful, just magnificent artistry. Unfortunately, not everyone had the same amount of respect for this song as middle school girls in 1997. Which brings us to today's case, Mattel v. MCA Records, which was heard in the Ninth Circuit in 2002. Ninth Circuit covers California, which isn't a surprising location for a music related case. Barbie Girl, for those who don't know it, was a hit off of the Danish group Aqua's 1997 album, and turned them into the one-hit wonder we know them as today. But Mattel, the manufacturer of Barbie, wasn't too pleased with the song, especially suggestive lyrics like, I can walk, I can talk, do whatever you please, I can act like a star, I can beg on my knees. In middle school I didn't get it, but now I get that that's a little bit untoward. And they felt that the song misrepresented their product and wasn't appropriate for a toy for little girls, which seems fair. They were worried that people would think the song was an official sanctioned representation of Mattel's product, Barbie, rather than an unrelated song by a group of Danish singers. All in all, they were worried it would be confusing for children and parents who might think they're getting a wholesome product related to our favorite unrealistic doll. And instead, they would get a rather rude song, loved by middle-schoolers for his pop beats and ribald lyrics. So, as companies usually do when they feel their trademark is being threatened, they sued. In this case, they sued the record company, MCA, rather than the artists themselves, probably because a major record label is a lot more capable of paying damages out of their deep pockets than a band with one minor hit. The lower court sided with MCA, the record label, and Mattel appealed this up to the Ninth Circuit. Whether we're talking about the appeal or the lower court opinion generally doesn't matter, but I like to give you guys that info just in case you want to go look it up afterwards. So there are three major issues at play in this appeal, all of which take a bit of explaining, because the world of trademark and copyright law is convoluted and complex. I should start by saying I don't practice in this area, and I am by no means an expert. But I dabbled in intellectual property law in law school, and you can actually find a very dry article I wrote for my legal journal on pharmaceutical patents online, so I've got some vague knowledge of these sorts of topics, hopefully I'll do a decent job explaining them. Okay, so three issues at hand – likelihood of confusion, dilution, and parity. And we're going to breeze through these quicker than they probably deserve, because they're difficult regulatory and constitutional issues that could have an episode each, but hey, we all lead busy lives. You can't dally all day discussing trademark issues like a bunch of cool kids. Let's talk about dilution first. Dilution is a big issue for trademarks. The point of having a trademark is to identify your product as yours. So a trademark is a name, like Barbie or Frappuccino, or a logo like the Apple logo that identifies your product. Pretty straightforward. But the problem we've been running into since trademarks became a thing is that having a well-known product is a double-edged sword. At the moment, when you say, I'm going to get a Frappuccino, people immediately think of the correct product and the correct place to buy it, a drink at Starbucks. So Starbucks gets all the benefit of that trademark. But sometimes a mark becomes so well known that it becomes sort of a name for a type of product, rather than a particular manufacturer. If I ask someone to go buy me a box of Band-Aids, They might come back with Band-Aid brand products, but they're just as likely to come back with a different brand of bandage, which would work perfectly fine for me. It's become a general word. The same thing goes for aspirin, chapstick, and kleenex. These are all brand trademarks, or were at one point, and they're all used generally now. If I ask someone for a chapstick, they might ask me, which kind? They don't immediately think that I mean chapstick brand chapstick. And in fact, I might not mean that. For me, I'm going to mean Burt's Bees, but I'm still going to refer to it as a chapstick, not as whatever the general name of that product is. Maybe a, you know, lip chap ointment. The point is that it becomes the general name for the product and the brand that created that name doesn't really benefit from it anymore. Once this happens, it's harder to ascertain a violation of your trademark. And Barbie is arguably one of these products to an extent. A lot of kids will call any similarly shaped doll a Barbie, as will their parents who might want to save some money on a cheaper off-brand doll. Now brands can fight this. There's a law called Trademark Dilution Act, where a brand can head off dilution as it's happening, through cease and desist letters, um, injunctions, or lawsuits. An injunction is basically a court telling you to stop doing something. And if you have a trademark and you see dilution happening, you definitely want to do these things, because down the line, you might want to or have to be able to argue that you shouldn't lose your trademark protections because of dilution, and you want to be able to prove that you actively fought the dilution. But there are some exceptions to this, namely three particular exceptions to the Dilution Act. Comparative advertising, so using the brand name Crest, for example, to compare to your toothpaste news reporting and commentary, and non-commercial use. Surprisingly, Barbie Girl falls under the last one, non-commercial use. It may have sold more than 8 million copies worldwide, but the song qualifies as a non-commercial use because it's a speech issue. And speech is not purely commercial if it does more than promote propose a commercial transaction, which then entitles it to the full First Amendment protection. So basically if speech is doing more than saying hey buy this product it's protected and we'll get to this first amendment protection and more about parody in a minute the second issue is likelihood of confusion and this was mattel's big concern at the outset remember that people would think that barbie girl was a mattel product associated with actual barbie it's kind of the opposite of dilution. rather than people thinking any version will do they think that the infringing work is directly related to the actual product. So instead of us thinking any bandage is a band aid, this would be another company actually putting band aid on their box and me thinking that I'm getting a band aid brand band aid. But when dilution has already happened, likelihood of confusion can be pretty hard to prove. So when this happens, courts have sometimes applied a complicated eight part test to determine the likelihood of confusion between the off brand product and the branded product. Now, before you all turn this off, because you think I'm going to dive into an eight-part test, the court didn't really actually apply it in this issue. Because a song is different than a product, there's more at stake here. And they simply decided that the bigger issue that should control is our third issue, parody and the First Amendment. Now, when I was researching this case, my mind kept popping over to a more recent and perhaps more famous music-related case, which many of you have probably heard of. Marvin Gaye's family suing Robin Thicke and Pharrell over the similarities between Blurred Lines and the Marvin Gaye song Gotta Give It Up. Totally unrelated to the issue of parody, but there's often a lot of confusion between infringement and parody. That case in itself could be an episode of its own, and maybe it will be down the line, because there's a lot of interesting issues at play, especially since it isn't a direct rip-off of the Marvin Gaye song. That song is actually one of my favorites, and I didn't even think about it when I heard Blurred Lines. So it's more a matter of infringing on the spirit and the feel of the song. And whether we should really be calling that infringement is an issue of concern when it comes to restricting creativity. There's also the issue of the court of public opinion here, since Robin Thicke himself is kind of an insufferable turd. And this case became more about us wanting to see him get knocked down than actually thinking about the creative merit of the different songs. But the Robin Thicke case kept popping into my head because that distinction is so important between that case and Mattel MCA records, the difference between parody and infringement. Infringement is a case like the Robin Thicke case, or Vanilla Ice using the beat from Under Pressure for Ice Ice Baby. It's directly taking a piece, or a part, or even the whole of someone else's intellectual property and using it without consent or credit, and probably without paying them royalties parody, on the other hand, is a totally protected use. A parody is what Weird Al does, for example. It's defined in Black's Law Dictionary as a distorted version of an existing work that comments on the original work or on society, and it sort of falls under the umbrella of satire. So even though Weird Al himself generally asks artists before parodying their songs and won't do it if they don't agree, that's a personal choice on his end. He does it you know, to stay friendly to people in the industry. He doesn't have to seek permission, he doesn't have to give credit, and he doesn't have to pay royalties to produce parodies. It's a fair use under copyright laws, and it's protected as a form of free speech under the Constitution. And there's a very similar thing happening here. Although this is not a song-to-song comparison, the Ninth Circuit found that Barbie Girl is a parody of the product of Barbie, and that protects MCA from Mattel's suit. Now, Barbie Girl might not seem like that deep of a song, but Barbie is a figure that's attracted a lot of controversy. People have argued since she showed up that Barbie, for example, promotes an unhealthy body image. I know I heard a lot growing up that if Barbie was a real person, there's no way she could be alive based on her proportions. And God knows those little feet that are always in a high heel position are very confusing to a child. And people also argue that, you know, some of her outfits are inappropriate, that she doesn't create a healthy image for young girls to look to. On the other hand, some people see Barbie as a kind of feminist icon. I mean, look at all the careers she's had. She's done everything from astronaut to architect, and she's a gal who puts herself first. You know, she's never asking Ken if it's okay for her to have these jobs, and in fact, apparently recently broke up with Ken, which I found out doing research for this case. So it's certainly a product that is ripe for the kind of commentary that parody creates. And the song is making fun of how Barbie is this perfect, plastic, silent woman who's supposed to be always available for whatever kind of fun you choose. It may be a silly pop song, but it is a parody, and it does have a particular message. And under the First Amendment, parody is directly protected. It's important as a society to be able to mock things, to mimic things, because that's how we... Put ourselves forward and we comment on our culture and how we feel about it. You know, this is something I've said a lot on this podcast, but cultures that restrict that, people find that they can't make progress because they're not able to do the simple thing of criticizing. Criticizing is very important because it's how we as a society decide that we all dislike the same things enough to want to legislate about them or change them. And so a simple thing like a parody about a Barbie might not seem like a big deal, but that is important to protect because further down the line, when it's, for example, a song making fun of President Trump or a parody of an artist that promotes a bad lifestyle, we are allowed to do that and we're allowed to make those comparisons. And we can do it with the confidence that we're protected by the courts. So after all this fighting back and forth, including in the media, where Mattel got pretty vicious. I mean, Mattel published things calling MCA thieves and criminals, but this case ended on a very appropriate piece of advice, when the opining judge noted that the parties are advised to chill. And chill they did. Mattel eventually came around to the song. Uh, They released a new version of it, altering some of the lyrics to be more positive, and even now they use it in some of their advertising, mostly the parts of it that aren't about Barbie being on her knees. They've found a better part of the song to use. And perhaps we should all take this lesson to chill to heart because when it comes down to it, while every artist understandably wants to protect their creation, and perhaps in the case of major record labels, every company wants to protect the profitability of its products, if we push too hard, we create a world where artists are scared to create. Because maybe, just maybe, while they were writing that song, a little hint of another song lingered in their brain and it pushed through. And suddenly that artist is in a lot of hot water for doing nothing intentional and in fact doing exactly what all creative people do, drawing inspiration from the world around us. That's what brings us beautiful art and music, all of which is worthwhile. Yes, even Robin Thicke, and yes, even Barbie Girl. But maybe not Vanilla eyes because I draw my line at stealing from David Bowie. That's it for this week, guys. A little bit of a short episode with the new year. Not sure what we'll talk about next week, so if you have thoughts or ideas, you can email me at illustrated Podcast at gmail.com. And next week we'll probably be back to a 30-minute episode. So until then, this has been Towards Illustrated. I'm your host, Marie. And I'm asking that when you kill all the lawyers, please spare me. <laughs>